welcome back to another episode of Beckett's Babies. This is a podcast about playwriting, and we're your hosts, Sam Collier. And Sarah Cho. And today we're talking about the scary and beautiful topic of rejections. Dun, dun, dun. So, yeah, that's right. Rejections, they're so painful and and yet at the same time so banal. <laughs> Sarah, what do you think about when you hear the word rejections? When I hear rejections, I feel pain. <laughs> I yeah. have painful memories and feelings begin to stir in me that I didn't know was there. (laughs) Rejections are hard Mm -hmm. and they're sad. Yeah. Yeah. But they're a necessary part of the playwriting life. So today we want to talk about how we cope with rejections and how, dare I say it, they might have a silver lining. I would love to know Um, what that is, Sam. (laughs) Me too. I'm hoping today we're going to find out by the end of this episode. Great. We'll we'll be able to see that silver lining in the cloud of rejections. Um, so, well, the first thing I want to start off with was I write poems as well as plays. And I've noticed because plays, because poems are shorter and I send out more of them to more places, um, how often I'll send a poem 10 places before I get an acceptance. And so, you know, it's so exciting to get that acceptance, but I remember all the other places that have rejected that poem. And I realized that if I were to stop after three or five or seven rejections, then I would just think, oh, this is a bad poem and nobody wants it. But um, if by the 10th or 11th time somebody accepts it, that changes my whole view of the poem. And the truth is a lot of magazines just have very, very little space. And so it is a numbers game as much as anything else. And so I've been trying to kind of transfer that attitude to plays, which feel like a much larger investment of time and emotional energy. So it's harder to you know, write as many of them and send them to as many places. But it feels like a a worthy goal to try to see them in that light. That's interesting. (laughs) I don't have that tenacity that you do, Sam, when it comes to submitting. I submit work and after one time, uh, I don't submit it again ever. Uh, I'm just a very stubborn person in general. I feel that to me, the way I cope with rejection is my attitude is, okay, I'm going to create my own opportunity and I'm just going Mm -hmm. to do it myself, (laughs) which kind of comes off really Mm -hmm. stubborn, but it's my drive. And when I feel ready or when I feel the work is the best possible place that I know it could be, then that confidence, I go into submitting the work. And then if I get rejected, I don't feel as bad for some reason because I feel Mm -hmm. that, oh, I have put in the time and the value 
isn't from the submitting or it's just from the efforts. And I think that's how I feel, but. Well, that's good though. I mean, how, so how do you take that energy from, okay, well, this theater rejected my play. Now I'm going to go do it myself. Like, how do you, how do you make that transition? And well, I don't know. I mean, it just seems very difficult, you know, do you let that stubbornness be your guiding force? I think so. Yeah. I think I let my stubbornness drive me <laughs> into uh, creating other things. I I feel I have more, it's going to sound so bad, but I just feel I have a lot of unfinished work and that maybe shows how many times I've been rejected. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, I mean, I have a lot of unfinished work too. Mm. Okay, so it's normal. Yeah. Well, I don't know. We're just two people. (laughs) (laughs) Two very important people. Um. Listeners, we are a representative sample of the American playwriting population. (laughs) Oh, man. Do you have any personal stories about a rejection? Like um, a play that you submitted? Oh, my gosh. Well, you know, it's really funny because I have... I don't know, probably like six or seven plays that I still consider to be potential. Mm-hmm. Like they, they feel living rather like my early first couple of plays. I'm like, those are dead. <laughs> I'm never going to revive them. But I have several like from grad school that I still kind of send around. But a couple of years ago, I was getting nowhere with any of them. And I had this new play, Daisy Violet, the Bitch Beast King. And it was like the only play that I hadn't, that was a full length finished play that I was interested in working on that I hadn't sent to all the like, you know, big name development opportunities. And even though it was a wild, you know, weird, very dark comedy, you know, totally all over the place play, I was like, well, this is what I've got. So I'll send it out. And like, that was the one that I've gotten the most Mm. traction on which was totally surprising to me. I mean, I I never would have expected that because I had these other plays that I had worked on for, you know, many, many intensive months with lots of banging my head against the wall <laughs> and research and, you know, talking to professors and dramaturgs about. And then I had this other play that was just like my neglected child that I thought, you know, looked kind of weird and would not behave itself. (laughs) And that was the one that like, that people have been the most interested in. So that's not a rejection story. But it I think it just goes to show that like, you never know. Yeah. I love how you refer to your plays as children, your children. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. That's kind of how I thought of it. It does kind of feel that way when that time you spend and the efforts and the investment in the play and you're like you just want it to be the best possible child (laughs) (laughs) and you want it to you know like go out into the world Mm -hmm. independently yeah yeah I feel when I submit plays I don't know if this is like an outlier or it's like it's an inverse of rejections but if a one play gets accepted in its first try and I'm like Mm -hmm. oh 
it's gonna get accepted everywhere and then just rejection 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 yeah you just never know you just never know and it's so much about the numbers and i think because of that like randomness like it could be the first try or it could be the 20th try like you really can't read anything into that about the quality maybe you can read a tiny bit into that about the quality of the play but not really i mean there are just so many plays out there and there's so many more plays than development or production slots available so at a certain point it's just about the numbers yeah and there are things you can't control either you know who is reading that play what's Mm -hmm. going on in the world that is it relevant or not relevant to the play you just yeah you just don't know and I agree it is really important to submit those plays because or consistently submitting plays there are some things you can control I guess like I I think it I don't know I mean if you're if you're submitting a play to a theater like for production it helps to look at their season and their production history and their mission and I mean there there are plays that I have that you know like I I look at a theater's mission I'm like oh they would never in a million years do this play so I'm not gonna right you know waste my time and their time by sending it right but it's like applying for a job I know so well right now (laughs) you go to the company of that job you read what they do and you make sure your resume and cover letter aligns to that job. <laughs> yeah, it's, exactly. Yeah, exactly. I totally get it, Sam. I totally get it. And sometimes it has to do just with like what resources they have. Like I like Last Frontier Theater Conference, which is in Valdez, Alaska, which I recommend to anybody because it's beautiful there. But I submitted a play a couple of years ago, Silo Tree and didn't get anywhere. And so then I kind of thought, oh, they're not interested in my kind of writing. And I didn't apply for a while. And then I sent them Daisy Violet and I got in. And and once I went to the festival, I realized why Silo Tree just wouldn't work there. And I, and I think maybe if I had done a little more research, I would have understood, but it's just like a reading format. You have like two hours of rehearsal it's really about just hearing the play and and it's all about simplicity and they didn't have a lot of plays with large casts mm-hmm. and so that was kind of a revelation to me that sometimes it's less about you as a writer and more about like okay the specific play that you're sending is it does it have a large cast or a small cast like is the theater mm-hmm. able to accommodate what you're doing it does it have a lot of stage directions which don't often work well in a reading you know right so so understanding the theater or the place that is working on the plate what are the resources that they have mm-hmm. for you or that is available yeah because sometimes it's less about the the vibe or the mm-hmm. you know tone of the work than it is just about like how many actors can they find well, Sarah, how do you cope with rejection? Like when you when you get rejected and you feel like this stubborn feeling, <laughs> how do you cope with that feeling? I may be stubborn, but I'm also very sensitive. So when I get that rejection, I think I spend a lot of time going through an existential crisis, like a little mini one where I feel mm-hmm. like, okay, 
what is my voice in this world? What what am I what am I supposed to say here? <laughs> you know, when I go through this like period yeah. of waves of like, and all I can do, and I'm the type of person that I'm very active. I just like to move around. I like to be involved in groups. I like to be involved um, in other, with collaborating with other people and kind of like doing this other thing. That's not my writing mm-hmm. until I can go back to writing and I go, okay, I feel renewed. I feel revived. Now let me see what I could churn or let me revisit this play again with new fresh eyes that maybe I missed here or, mm-hmm. um, but yeah. So for me, like you get revitalized from, mm-hmm. from going out and working with other people. Yeah. And I that. think because I love comedy, like I do improv, I do some stand-up I do sketch comedy you know I do all these kind of things I love to kind of revitalize some of yeah. creativity and working with people and I work on my writing and so yeah um, yeah I'm currently working on something um a play that I really love it's it's a one-act play right now but I have a feeling it's it's going to be a full-length play. I'm kind of still... But something I wrote... Cool. It first began as a sketch. And then evolved into a one-act play. And then now mm-hmm. it's kind of... Now it's it just feels like it's bubbling up. And like I have more ideas for it. The play is called Friendship Coma. I don't know if... It, did I send it to you? No, no? send it to oh. me. <laughs> um, that sounds great. Yeah, Friendship Coma. It's a, about these friends. Um they have a reunion and one of the friends doesn't remember those like major friendship moments in their childhood because she, she was in a coma for most of the time. So she's feeling the FOMO, the fear of missing out, like literally. Wait, she was like in a coma during their childhood or since then? In, like- in during their childhood. So yeah, <laughs> it's a comedy. It's a really dark comedy, but it's just, it started as a sketch and then and it's just been wanting to FOMO yeah friendship coma coma FOMO <laughs> something like that I love it yeah um so yeah I'm really excited about it it's just been like but yeah that and that was coming from a place of oh I got rejected for this one play a bazillion times or something I'd mm. gone to sketch writing or maybe just one time it sounds like <laughs> maybe <laughs> You're right, Sam. <laughs> um, and then so, yeah. Um, and everyone, yeah, so everyone is so different how they cope with rejections. Maybe some people just can't cope with it at all. But, you know, how do you cope? Yeah. Honestly, I think I'm like, I've at like my I've gotten kind of numb to it. And maybe it's because I like if like when I get rejected from something, it's not really a surprise to me. When I submit, I'm like, oh, you know, it would be cool to get this opportunity. But I try to make the the good feeling be associated with just submitting, just getting my work out there, um, and and not attach any expectation to like what will happen. I mean, it doesn't feel great to get rejected, of course, but I I, I honestly. I honestly have come to just expect it. And so then I'm 
and I, and I have a word document where I keep track of all my submissions. And when I get rejected, I, I change the, um, the note that I made about it to red. And then, so, I, you know, so I go in and do that. And then I'm like, okay, you know, where else can I submit? And so I try to always be adding to the bottom of that list so that the last things there are still pending. And, and that way, when I go back in and say, oh, this thing is rejected, I can see all the things that I'm still in the running for. So that helps. But it, I, it just feels like par for the course at this time. Also, a couple years ago, totally out of the blue, I got an email from a high school teacher in Germany who had been a reader for a submission opportunity that I had sent a play called Quiet Witches for. And my play had been rejected from that. And I hadn't, like, I'd never given it another thought to that contest. But this teacher who had read my play as part of the um, judging process emailed me months and months later and said, can I direct this play at this high school and <laughs> teach at in Germany? And I was like, sure. You know, I mean, it was just so, it was so unexpected and really cool. I Skyped with the students in Germany. I had to do it at four in the morning because they had to do it during their lunch hour. And because of the time difference, it was the middle of the night for me. Um, but I think that was a really good lesson for me. So your play kind of, I feel like a like a a calling card, too. Yeah. In the process. Yeah, yeah. and it was. I mean, I because before that, I had never really given any thought to the people who read the plays for development opportunities or theaters. Like I, I just kind of saw it as like, oh, the institution will consider my play from on high, you know, and like conduct some magic ceremony. And then I'll either be approved or denied. Like I, I hadn't really thought about it as actual people. And then I got this email and I was like, oh, even every time I get rejected, somebody out there in the world who's a human being who loves plays is reading my play. And that just transformed my whole perspective because you never know what's going to happen with that reader. Like maybe, maybe it's a director or maybe it's a high school teacher who, you know, wants his students to put on your play. So, so yeah. if you, here's what I'm thinking now is that because you submitted, you submit to places, you gain insight. You're, you're learning how, you know, one rejection could be a million opportunities or you just don't know. Mm-hmm. Like that's, see, I, right. because of my stubbornness, I don't learn these insights. <laughs> <laughs> But what you do is you go out and you make it yourself and you, you know, start a comedy troupe or, you know, you make, you get, put things up on their feet and you write for performance and you go to open mics. And, and that, I mean, that's like, I think, just as cool a way to respond. Thank you, Sam. Just, we're very different people. Thank you. This is why I love talking to you. You're like, let me go out in the world and make art. And I'm like, let me sit in my room and think. (laughs) (laughs) So funny how everyone has their own thing of dealing or um, Mm -hmm. working things out. What about you listeners? We want to hear from you about how you deal with rejection. We were talking about this Lit Hub article 
about, um, I think this is such a good strategy to just like aim for a certain number of rejections every year. Like if last year you got 20 rejections, this year try to get 50 rejections because it means that you have to submit a certain number of places in order to reach that level. And you're only going to get acceptances if you if you keep sending things out. How do you have the time and energy to submit, Sam? It's really hard. Mm-hmm. I've you know, I've had a lot of snow days over the last couple of weeks. <laughs> oh right. And so I've been trying to use that time, but deadlines are very motivating. I tend to do mm-hmm. all my work the day it's due. Be honest. So on average, how often are you submitting? Do you think in a week or a month? I'm trying to be better. I think, I mean, it's hard to find an average because it's so uneven. It really fluctuates. Like I had a year where I sent out a lot of poems in hardly any place. And then last year I sent out hardly any poems in almost all place. I don't know. I try to submit to like, I guess like five to 10 things a month is what I'm going for now. Whether that's a, you know, whether that's a couple of poems or, you know, residency or I'm putting everything in that category, like jobs, development opportunities. Gosh, (laughs) I just want to get to a point in my life where I don't want to submit anything and everyone just comes to me. I know, wouldn't that be nice? It's just a dream. Just a dream I have once in a while. That's all. <laughs> um, so what pr- programs, tools exist for our listeners? Yeah, like where can they where can listeners find places to submit plays? What a good question, Sarah. Well, one tool I know of is called the Play Submission Helper. Um, that's a website that lists um, every month they publish an Excel spreadsheet and also a PDF of upcoming playwriting deadlines um, and it's kind of like they it's an aggregator so they add new ones that come in so you can get on there and look at ones that are you know due in August but they might also just put on new ones that are due in April um, but they charge a fee I think it's six dollars a month so, um, you know, like for many years, I, I've decided I couldn't afford that. And now I'm using it and I like it. Um, but there is a cost. But you were mentioning one that's free, right, Sarah? Yeah. Um, What's Sam that is, one? Sam is not on Facebook, but I am. <laughs> and there is a Facebook group called uh, Cats Play and Musical Submission Central. Um, and is hosted or ran by someone named Kat Ransberg. She's a playwright. And it's a bi-weekly play and musical submission um, opportunity for writers where Kat just posts all the things that are due that week or the next coming week twice a month, which is kind of amazing that this remarkable human being does this for the community <laughs> does anybody know who is cat i know who is maybe maybe she'll find this podcast and she'll be like hey it's me and then we could interview her we should interview her yeah we should find her yeah she it's like she's an angel who's 
blessing everybody, <laughs> well, at least everybody on Facebook mm-hmm. with this amazing tool. Yeah, it's really amazing. And there's another uh, program called New Play Exchange. Now, I signed up for it. I'm not very proactive with it. So maybe, Sam, you're, you're using Well, I can tell. Right? I, yeah, I can tell you a little bit about the New Play Exchange. I love it. I think it's a great tool. Um, it's basically a way to you can have a page about you as a playwright and you can put a, you know an artist statement and a bio if you want and then you can make um, little pages for all of your plays and you can upload a, an excerpt or a full script of your play and you can include character list and um, a synopsis if you want and then all of the production history or development history of the play. Um, but what's interesting about it is the submission process is kind of backwards from how it works in the rest of the theater world. So if a theater wants to put out a call for, let's say, 10-minute plays about zombies, um, and, you're, and you have a 10-minute play called, like, Zombie Time, um, on your page, you will get a note saying, oh, this theater, zombie theater, um, is interested in this kind of play and we think your play might be eligible. So all you have to do if you wanna put your play up for consideration is to click a button Hmm. and then they will get your submission automatically. Wow. So what's cool about that is you don't have to seek them out. Um, They're actually putting a call out and the new play exchange takes care of um, linking you up with them. But it's important to know it only works if you have the full um, script uploaded. So they won't be able to find plays of yours if you only have an excerpt or you don't have anything uploaded. So... That's kind of cool. It's also a great tool just for learning about other playwrights that you're interested in reading their plays because so many people have their plays up there, which is great. Yeah, I love that. It it's shaking up the model of yeah what we're that we're traditionally used to, and I really like that a lot. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's a different approach, mm-hmm. and sometimes it seems like there's no other way to do this terrible process. Mm-hmm. So. I think it's pretty cool when people find. And a I remember approach. the fee, it's, isn't it like five or ten dollars for a year? Pretty reasonable. It's something like that. It's like reasonable. It's very reasonable. And it looks nice, you know. Mm. And it's mm. kind of, it, it feels a little bit like social media, except without like all the horrible addictive qualities. It's like, <laughs> You can follow people so you can see what they recommend or when other people recommend their plays. And you can write, you know, nice things about other people's plays. But it's not like there's a feed or, you know, direct messaging or anything like that. Are you proactive? Do you recommend other writers of other I plays? Yeah, I have recommended plays that I've seen. Mm-hmm. Um, I should, I want to do more of that. But like... The plays I saw in Alaska, I got on and recommended some of those. And um, I haven't been as good about it when I read a play, but when I see a new play, I try to get on there and write something about it. Oh, you're so good. You're so good, Sam. 
<laughs> well, I've had a couple of people do that for me and it felt so nice. And so I thought, oh, you know, what an easy way to make somebody feel like a million bucks. Just write a couple sentences about how great yeah, the play is. Totally. Another good resource is the Playwright Center um, in Minneapolis. And they have a, a tracker of upcoming deadlines um, that has been put together, I think, by their intern team. And that's really great because you can see, you can sort them by deadline or demographic or topic or um, play length. There are a number of different filters. Um, and you can save them to your bookmarks. That one, I know there's a fee, but it's a really great tool that I would recommend. For listeners, there are um, tools to go along with the rejections we've spoken today. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, if you too want to experience the miracle of rejection, (laughs) find one of these tools and get started. This is a very inspiring chat. Like now I (laughs) feel like I want to beat my rejection of one last year. So... (laughs) (laughs) Okay, Sarah, see if you can get two rejections this year. We'll friggin' try. It's a good goal. All right, let's on let's move on to glistens. <laughs> What's your glisten this week? Oh man, do I have a big one? I wrote and directed my first comedy sketch video. It's, oh my gosh. Where can we see this video? First it's going to probably premiere at our the monthly sketch show at the Pack Theater, but then um it's going to obviously go online soon after okay. that. But I had so much fun. I, I had so much fun um, working on it, writing it. It was a huge blast. I never experienced like this with a, a team that was just so supportive and just like helped me all the way through. I know it was just because I was so scared oh, and so nervous. Beautiful. Like I don't know what to do. I don't know how to this camera works. I don't know what lighting is like focus. What, what are you talking about? But it was everyone was just so patient and worked through it with me and I'm just I'm like really proud even if it's maybe not funny I don't know but I'm just literally proud of that I got to work with a really great team of people who are just so generous with their time yeah it was just really great Aww. I had such a fun time so this, the the video is called Hagen Yaz and it's gonna be coming out <laughs> look out for it <laughs> stay tuned stay tuned listeners <laughs> We will share the link with you all. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, yeah, that's so cool. Wait. I can't wait to see it. Uh, what's your glisten? So um, I, I recently read an interview. Um, the Paris Review publishes these books of old interviews. Um, so I got one. It's like just all interviews with women writers from like the last. I think the first one in there is Marianne Moore. So um, it goes pretty far back in time. Um, but there, I was reading an interview with Jeanette Winterson, the English writer, and she said something in there that I've been thinking about for the past few days, which is that every story ends in either revenge, tragedy, or forgiveness. Wait, every I, story I've ends been thinking about, with revenge? In either revenge, tragedy, or forgiveness. Like, those are your three options. And she was talking about it in the context of, of anger. 
Um, but I've been thinking about it in terms of storytelling, like, okay, if you know that every story is going to land on one of those three endings, that tells you a lot about, about the shape of your story, I think. Like, either you're going towards tragedy or revenge or forgiveness. And that's my glisten. You always end your glisten making me ponder. It's so great. <laughs> What about you? Like, don't you all feel like? Don't you feel like you just want to shut job. this podcast off and just ponder for a minute? Like, wow. Well, <laughs> that's great. Yeah, we've come to the end of another. I always want to say, what? Um, Do you ever listen to the show Car Talk? Car Talks. No. They always would end their show with, "Well, it's happened again. You've wasted another perfectly good hour listening to us." <laughs> Uh, but what it's only ours is what thirty minutes, half an hour, so a good half an hour. Yeah, it's true. It's true. You still have plenty of time to make this hour yeah. count. So go Listeners. forth and enjoy the rest of your day. <laughs>